0: And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. So if you're looking for something to do during June and July, I think I have a gig for you. Oh, and you've got to enjoy eating tacos. Favor, a Texas-based food delivery company, is looking for an eater to sample tacos all over the state. You will have the title chief taco officer that's their first ever and you're going to receive ten thousand dollars in exchange for taste testing tacos and documenting the experience on social media during june and july that's kind of cool so you're going to drive all across texas staying in each city for two days and eating tacos delivered by favor For at least two meals. So you can have tacos for breakfast and dinner. The winning candidate will receive free food, accommodation, and transportation along their journey. And free delivery from the company for a year. Plus the $10,000. That sounds like a good gig. Now you have until May 12th to go ahead and put your application in on uh, Favors' website which is uh, favordelivery.com. And you need to create a short video, and then you need to uh, post the video to TikTok or Instagram, and you need to fill out the application form and submit it all, and it's right there on their website. I don't know. I kind of like this idea. It sounds like a lot of fun. Plus, I mean, after two months of this, and you start getting creative with your videos and the food you're eating, who knows what could happen? Uh, There'll be plenty of other companies, and uh, you could submit your videos to, you know, I would tag Food Network in every post you make. <laughs> but that's just me. Anyway, good luck at becoming the very first Chief Taco Officer. I'm thinking about applying. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. <laughs> Okay, uh, this will not stand. Uh, for those of you that have listened to this show for a while now, you know that I am a big uh, believer in the United States Postal Service. I know. I've always wanted to be either on the Board of Governors or the Poster Inspector General. Now, you know, I realized that I always wanted to be the the uh, you know, <laughs> Postmaster General, but uh, then I realized that uh, the Board of Governors was the place to be because the Postmaster General answers to them. So I, and I believe that I could uh, you know, run the Postal Service and turn that thing around and help turn that thing around. However, now I'm seeing that between 2018 and 2021, robberies of mail carriers more than tripled and robberies involving a gun more than quadrupled. And that's according to the U.S. Postal Inspection Service. That's incredible. This will not stand. We cannot have that. Uh, No, I'm sorry. Uh, We need to do something about it. Maybe we have our, you know, they're saying that, uh, you know, we need more protection out there. Well, I don't know that, I mean, we're going to have armed guards with you as you deliver mail, maybe. Or maybe we arm the postal carriers and turn them into, uh, you know, federal law enforcement. <laughs> something. I mean, no doubt that something has to be done. Uh, no question about it. So, you know, call me. Uh, let me uh, let me help you out. Uh, Postal Service, I'm here for you. I'm willing to uh, become an advisor to the Board of Governors until I'm, uh, you know, duly elected on the board. Or I could be an advisor to the uh, Postmaster General until... I'm uh, prepared to uh, take over that job. Just saying. Until then, uh, postal carriers, be careful out there. Keep your head on a swivel and be safe. Okay, so you know, it's was reading a story. It's an incredible story about survival. So this lady spent six days trapped in her car. She had a six-pack of yogurt, and she rationed the six-pack of yogurt, eating one per day. She didn't have any water, so she ate the snow, which was good. she said that she saw, and people were out searching for her. She said that she saw the helicopter fly over a few days earlier, but because she was in a heavily wooded area, they were unable to see her and uh, the helicopter couldn't fly every day because of inclement weather. And she was out there for six days. I feel like she was out there for actually longer, but because the story talks about how her and this guy, I guess they were, friends uh were out driving in um little valley california it must have been about the time that that bus got deserted on the on the interstate as well started storming really bad and they got stuck in the snow off this dirt road um, highway 44 it was at 2 40 a.m so they they spent the night in the car and by morning the battery had died huh And so they tried to walk back to highway 44 to seek help, but they got separated because she fell behind when the soles of her boots fell off in the rugged terrain. He went back to find her, but because of the snowfall, he couldn't find her. So then it says he sought shelter, built a campfire before continuing the trek in the morning. And he came to a gravel road and then he finally reached highway 44 a day later, And he hitched a ride and then went to the police and reported his friend was likely still in the forest, possibly with the vehicle. Now, he wasn't familiar with the area, so he wasn't real sure where they were lost at. (laughs) I mean, he knows where he came onto Highway 44 and there's a gravel road. So um, the sheriff deputies and sergeants of the U.S. Forest Service conducted ground searches every day trying to find this lady and trying to find where the car was. And so, and as I said earlier, the helicopter flew one or two days. The weather was too bad and she was in this wooded area. So they couldn't see her anyway. Then six days into this search, Justin, the the boyfriend or the friend, rode along with the sheriff's deputy in the search area to possibly, you know, kind of help provide a better location of where he and Sheena became stuck in the snow Several hours into that, they located the vehicle, and she was hunkered down in it. Oh, amazing. She was fine. She was emotional, but physically okay, and they transported her to a ranger station and then said, yeah, you're fine. Uh, get out of here. Have a nice day. She six-pack of yogurt once a day and eating snow, and she survived in the cold like that in her car. Uh, incredible. Uh, that's a just an amazing story and that she is lucky that they found her out there uh, in this time, instead of, you know, waiting until spring and finding her in the car, you know, not with us anymore. Well, joining us here on chewing the fat in the who died today segment, but no, she is alive. I was just wondering at what point for, I would like to talk to her. I was one, I would like to know when she would have decided to take off and try to walk out of there because she waited for six days. Now she's out of food, right? She's, this is the sixth day. She had six pack of yogurt and there's plenty of snow to eat, but that's not food. And so at what point do you decide, well, they're never going to find me. I've got to try to get out of here and uh, walk out of here. That's, could have been even a bigger problem right i mean holy cow anyway good for her and they found her and thanks to everyone hundreds of thousands of dollars of search and rescue teams out there to find this lady who was stuck in the middle of nowhere driving around in the middle of a snowstorm not knowing where they are or where they're going but hey i'm happy they both survived so, I'm speaking of who died today. Who died today? Yes, the body of the U.S. National Guard who went missing while attempting to save two migrants, uh, you know, illegal immigrants, uh, that he uh, thought were drowning in the Mexico border has been found. Bishop E. Evans, 22, went missing after entering the Rio Grande near Eagle Pass on Friday. They were searching for him. The two migrants survived. And were taken into custody. Uh, Very sad. Uh, He was 22 years of age. A member of the National Guard since 2019. And previously served in Kuwait and Iraq. So Bishop E. Evans, 22, rest in peace. And very sorry that that happened. Uh, I know that he risked his life uh, in service to Texas and America. And trying to keep... uh, Immigrants trying to illegally come into this country safe from dying and lost his life in doing so. Very sad. Very, very sad. Did you also know, I did not hear this, and perhaps it could have been, uh, you know, better timed. but uh, 50-year-old Wynne Bruce died from injuries he sustained after lighting himself on fire in front of the Supreme Court to raise awareness about climate change okay uh you got me so apparently uh bruce's facebook page said he was a practicing buddhist performing an act of self-emoliation in the hours following his untimely death climate activists have taken to social media to hail him as a hero who performed a compassionate act of self-sacrifice Wait, what? We're supposed now we're, because he set himself on fire and died in front of the Supreme Court, we're supposed to Okay, let's take action on climate change. All right. Now if he really believed in his cause, he carried out the act on Friday at six oh five PM. The uh, MPD, the Supreme Court police, and the Capitol Police, wow. I mean, we have got all kinds of police departments, don't we? Um, The Supreme Court police, the Capitol police, and the Metropolitan Police Department responded to the scene. After being conveyed to a hospital, uh, we helicoptered him him to a hospital. He died of his injuries. Maybe, you know, if the guy really wanted to raise awareness, you don't do it on a Friday night. (laughs) You got to do that, you know. Monday morning, Tuesday morning, when there's news cycles to get to, so you're really raising awareness. But that's just me. So, you know, rest in peace, I guess. Climate activist Wynn Bruce from Boulder, Colorado, a practicing Buddhist who set himself on fire on the steps of the Supreme Court to raise awareness about climate change. Phew. And let's check in. Remember, I want to be sure that, uh, you know, because I falsely reported uh, the end of last week that uh, CNN Plus had passed away. And I didn't want to... I don't want to give you false information. So I want to check into the CNN Plus app, make sure they're still ticking. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. CNN Plus. Still, uh, the monitor has them uh, still alive. So I'll let you know when... uh, when they flatline. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. Oh. Ah, so good. So I see where Sharon Osborne uh, proving the chewing the fat Jeff Fisher fat fact that uh, three cuts to clown face still holds true. Uh, She had what she called a horrendous facelift that she went under in October and it didn't quite go as planned. I had a full facelift done in October and I looked like one of those effing mummies that they wrap with bandages. She explained the procedure, which took five and a half hours. It hurt like hell. You have no idea. When it came time to see the results of the list. Of the lift. Osborne was equally horrified. It was horrendous. I'm like, you've got to be effing joking. One eye was different to the other. I looked like effing Cyclops. I'm like, all I need is a hunchback. <laughs> now I claimed she claims in the interview that Ozzy even said, uh, I don't care how much it costs. We'll get it redone. I find that hard to believe. I think Ozzy was like, uh, that sounds like something more. Uh, maybe she understands him. Uh, that's what he meant. <laughs> she said, however, that it's now settling and she's much happier with how she looks. And so, I mean, that's not the first time that she's uh, gone under the knife or the first time that she's complained about it. Never forget. Uh, that's how it happens right I've, I've told you before three cuts to clown face and i believe it the first one is beautiful it works great it looks beautiful and you think oh man that first one went so great if i can get the second one to maybe take care of these eyes here or just below the chin uh be great and so you get the second one and the second one doesn't quite reach the standards of that first one so you're like well i need to get another one because then i can it'll touch up here and it'll make this look a little bit better from the second one and then you're off to the races three cuts to clown face so it won't be long until sharon is uh, definitely clown face of course she was uh you know talking about how she got uh canceled and she was fired and nobody wanted to talk to her and she said uh that no one called uh nothing Uh, in england and australia it would never change she said but here it was like i was dead and everybody's scared of saying something wrong that somebody would take and sell it's no way to bloody live i don't want it i don't need it it's just our time to go home so Feels like, uh, you know what, I've made enough money. Ozzy has made enough money, and we're just going to kind of hang out here in our home, and then I'll have a couple of couple of more cuts to clown face, and then uh, we'll be good. So that, you know, if I do go out for dinner, you can take some pictures of me, and I'll still look the way I want to look. You know, speaking of saying the right thing, and everybody's scared of saying something that uh, somebody would take the wrong way, see, Misha Collins, I don't know if you know who Misha Collins is. He plays the angel on Supernatural, and I'm forced to watch Supernatural because my daughter loves them all and loves all the characters and loves the show. So I've seen, I don't know that I've seen every episode of Supernatural, but I have seen a lot of episodes of Supernatural. Now, Misha plays the angel and i know my daughter's like well he plays different characters and he's got three or four different characters yeah but they're all based on the one character the main character of him being an, uh, an angel now he was at this new jersey comic con or supernatural con and they all show up together from time to time and i see where they all have throwbacks to uh, different shows you know jeffrey dean morgan is their dad in supernatural and they always they do a throwback to walking dead sometimes they find uh, they find negan's bat and it belonged to their dad that kind of thing that you know it's kind of cute and they you know grows to the other shows and in walker the uh, show on cbs i think Maybe it's CW. Anyway, he plays a Texas Ranger. Jared Padalecki, who is the star of Supernatural 2 uh, as well. And uh, he's also, um, you know, owns a Zabar down outside of Austin. and You know, he's Mr. Texas guy. But anyway, so Misha was at this Comic-Con. And he made a big deal when he came out on stage of asking the, these questions. How come I ask my show force? How many of you would consider yourselves introverts? Yeah, introvert, yeah, okay. How many extroverts? Extroverts, yeah, yeah, hey, we're extroverts too. How many bisexuals? How many bisexuals? Yeah, yay! And he's laughing and smiling. I'm all three. And they asked him, hey, you didn't tell us what you were. And so he says, you know, I'm all three. And it was just a joke. It was just a joke. Well, that can't stand. So, you know, he he immediately went to uh, Twitter and said, I'm deeply sorry for the clumsiness of my language. I want to be a better ally. And I feel sick to my stomach that I might have done anything to make things worse. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to do better. And I will keep listening. Thanks. I'm sorry. Wait, what? Yeah, he wanted us to deeply apologize for misspeaking this weekend at a fan convention in New Jersey when I was talking with the audience. I said that I was all three things, an introvert, an extrovert, and a bisexual, which you just heard it. He was just being funny. And he didn't want to, you know, he was just being funny about it. My clumsy intention, was to wave off actually discussing my sexuality. But I badly fumbled. And I understand (laughs) that was seen as me coming out as bisexual. (laughs) This was not my intention. Because everybody ran with the story that Misha Collins is bisexual. Uh, I need to correct the record. I am not bisexual. I happen to be straight. But I am also a Fierce ally, and the last thing I want to do is falsely co-opt the struggles of the LGBTQIA plus community. I believe and fully support that we need to sanctify the human right to express our identities honestly and to be free to love whomever we choose openly. When can you not do that, Misha? When can you not do that? I know everybody is all wound up because you came out as bisexual. And so what? I I really find that strange that because they ran with stories about him being bisexual, that that upset him. (laughs) I mean, okay, Mish, take it easy. It's okay. Somebody thinks you're bisexual. We can't have that. But I just want you to know that I fully support. I'm a fierce ally. Of the LGBTQIA+ community, but don't you dare think that I'm bisexual. Don't do it. Just, just sad. And speaking of Twitter, you know, well, we know uh, now that it's a done deal. Um, Elon Musk is now going to own Twitter all by his little old self and, you know, a few other investors. I don't know when that deal is going to be completely done. It's not going to happen like right now, but it is a done deal. But boy, Twitter was on fire yesterday. I mean, on fire with the love of Elon taking over and the hatred of Elon taking over. Because apparently uh, it's free speech if I can censor it and your opinion, uh, really it matters as long as it's the same opinion as mine. <laughs> so we'll see if Elon is able to, you know, do anything or make any difference to Twitter. He already has, uh, you know, really, uh, Trump has said he's not going to go back to Twitter. Although, I will say this, uh Truth has been struggling a little bit his social media thing. So it wouldn't surprise me to see if he was allowed to come back to Twitter and that's a you know that's an if. I don't know if they're going to allow him back on or not. There's plenty of people that want to be uh put back on Twitter that have been kicked off for saying things, you know, against the science. But, uh, and we'll see, you know, what happens with all of that. But, uh, if Trump is allowed to come back to Twitter, it wouldn't surprise me to have him come back to Twitter because he can say, well, I'm going to come back, but I'm just going to promote truth. Uh, that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to just, when I tweet, it's going to promote, uh, you know, what I'm saying over on truth. Okay. And then that will, you know, obviously, you know, Change because he can reach a lot of people, uh, a lot more people on Twitter than he can on uh, on Truth. At least for now, we'll see, and we'll see. You know, who knows if he's going to be allowed back on there or not? I don't know. You know, the other day I talked about how uh, I needed to do a, uh, a a radio show in the metaverse. Well, then I see where Zuckerberg just talked about uh, that the Meta Store, the company's first. Physical storefront is opening in Burlingame, California, next month. It's meant to showcase Meta's VR and AR devices, such as virtual reality headsets and Ray-Ban, Story, smart sunglasses, which I, I might have to get a pair of those, and uh, the portal gadget. And so it's kind of cool that uh, they're opening their first physical storefront, but I still believe that like, if if I could do a show in the metaverse, I still, I I think that's a good idea. It's just me, I know, but I think it's a good idea. Mark, if you don't mind, call me. Uh, you can you can message me. Uh, you know on Messenger. Uh, I'm, I'm on Facebook, uh, Jeff Fisher Radio, uh, Instagram, Jeff Fisher Radio. You can uh, you know if you want. I know. Probably not, but if you want, you could go ahead and DM me on Twitter as well at JeffyJFR. But you're probably going to reach out on Facebook. But I'm here for you, and I'm willing to do a show, you know, on Main Street in uh, Metaverse. So I'm here for you. So, do you know anybody that had Insteon, uh, you know, the smart home app company? Because uh, the entire company seems to have gone away, just shut down. Uh, so, homes, uh, smart home setups dependent on Insteon uh, just went away. Oh, uh, I guess the service has been down for days now. Uh, All services on their page, on their status page, say services online, all services online, but the company forums are dead. No one is replying to users on social media. (laughs) The CEO and all the ranking Insteon executives have scrubbed the company from their LinkedIn accounts. Amazing. So I don't know how much money they got away with. Maybe they didn't get away with any money. Maybe they are legitimately broke and couldn't go on anymore. But to just completely shut down. Now it's a smart home company that produced a variety of internet connected lights, thermostats, plugs, sensors, and their Insteon hub. And of course their main core was the proprietary networking protocol, which Okay, I mean, there's other licensable alternatives like Z-Wave and Zigbee, and but their unique dual mesh technology, which uh, created a reliable network than wireless alone, so you could bridge all your gear to the internet and enable it to use on the Insteon app. <laughs> okay, oh, but aren't they? Don't they have a parent company called Smart Lab Inc.? Yeah, uh, except that. Uh, Insteon seems to share the same executives as Smart Labs Inc. So, Smart Lab Inc. owns a website called smarthome.com which sells Insteon equipment and it actually licenses the Nokia name for Nokia Smart Lighting which is just rebranded Insteon equipment. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, have a nice day. Uh, If you were with Insteon and Had everything in your house, you know, working through the Insteon app and headed to, you know, uh, your Internet of Things, uh, have a nice day. Uh, We just shut down. Don't worry about it. And I don't know. It doesn't say how many homes were through the Insteon uh, app, but it sure seems like uh, it's a problem for those of you that were. And they talk about don't uh, shut it down. Okay. So don't go to factory reset your device. Don't do it because then everything is non recoverable and it's all, you know, now you're back to complete zero. If you, uh, do a factory reset of all your equipment. So I don't know. Uh, good luck. God bless. But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's a, They've invested, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into this ecosystem, and to just shut down like that—that that seems to be. And you, you know, I would—I am not an Internet of Things guy. I don't have my house wired up. Although, you know, would I? Yeah, I mean, I'm not afraid of it. I just don't have it. I would—I uh, would say that that's a problem. So if you uh, get treated. Uh, (laughs) by companies like you're just uh, nobody have a nice day we're gone now one day we're here one day we're not have a nice day (laughs) good luck God bless take care so if you were an Insteon customer email me chewingthefat at theblaze.com I would love to hear what happened and how you handled it and uh, if you if we have any new news on it if they you know if there's any kind of new news or if they just went away so in our houses of the hoity-toity section of the program today i want to talk a little bit about matthew stafford uh, quarterback for the uh, los angeles rams or the la rams so he had a pretty good year this past year he won the super bowl he signed a 160 million dollar extension and he buys two of drake's houses yeah drake had three houses for sale i'm really confused i don't understand why they just didn't buy all three So Stafford and his wife Kelly paid $3.6 million over the asking price for a pair of the 1950s ranch-style homes belonging to Drake. So the $11 million for eight bedrooms, nine bathrooms, 3.61 acres, pizza oven, private horse trail in the backyard. But they still have the third house. Drake was selling three houses together, right? So they one of the houses or Drake listed three side-by-side LA properties for 22.5 million. Why buy only two of the three? I don't understand that. I mean, if you're going to spend the money, spend the money. I mean, they bought a place not long ago last year, a 15,000 square foot home nearby, not, uh, not, Side by side to these homes for nineteen point six million when they you know first moved to L A. So now as they they don't know what they're going to do. There's no report on what they're going to do with this house, with the old house, with the dump, the fifteen thousand square foot home. I mean the other homes that they just purchased got to be for the property, three acres. I mean they the homes are uh, they're okay. I mean they're just. You no know, I thought I thought the the biggest nicest place was the three was the third house that they didn't buy really weird I, I'm not quite sure I understand why they would buy the two in the San Fernando Valley area that it's got to be just for the property the 3.6 acres in la um okay uh you know whatever you're fine hey matthew do what you want with your money (laughs) you only want to spend 11 million for you know a couple of houses and a little over three acres fine go ahead okay (laughs) you've got the heated pool now and the barbecue pit and the pizza oven and You've got the three-bedroom, three-bath, and the private horse trail. And the other one, you've got the five-bedroom, six-bath. And you've got the other $20 million, $15 million place that you bought earlier in the year. So good for you. Good for you. You do what you do, Matthew. You be you, boo. Then I see, speaking of Houses of the hoity toity which is, I mean, this is clearly not Houses of the hoity toity but it is to them. This couple claims that they live on five-star cruise ships full time, and it saves them all kinds of cash on bills. And we can relax by the pool every day. Kind of reminds me of the story we did a while ago about the couple that just lives at the hotels. Uh, that's you know with with deals, and so life is pretty good. But this actually you know makes a little bit of sense, except coming off of COVID. I mean, those cruise ships are down, right? They weren't they weren't cruising anywhere. I don't know if they were living on a cruise ship then, or if they went off and found another little apartment close to the docks that they could live in. I don't know. They're retired. They're originally from Seattle. They've been traveling around the globe on luxury five-star cruises since May of 2021. So, I mean, it's not been that long ago they decided to do it. So, and believe me, the cruise lines are happy to have the customers. So they travel... uh, Costa Rica, Mexico, Canada, Alaska, Japan, Vietnam, Indonesia—all living the life of luxury. In total, it costs the pair thirty-two euros a day to live on the all-inclusive cruise. I mean, okay, and that doesn't—if you can live on thirty-two bucks a day and you've got uh, you're living in the lap of luxury and getting fed—that's uh, pretty good. She said we've secured 86 cruise days with an average all-in cost of 89 a day for both of us. Okay, so that's a little bit more than 32 a day, I'm just saying. But that includes the room, the food, entertainment, transportation, gratuity, port fees, taxes. <laughs> and you just try to stay on the same boat for as long as possible because that keeps the cost down. So, just an idea you're thinking about uh, you don't need the you know houses of the hoity toity you just need to get a good deal and just live on the cruise ship i don't know if i if i'd like that or not i'm not uh, I'm not sure that i was a fan of that but uh the idea of just spending a little bit of money each day and having uh, all the amenities that sounds pretty good This is going to come as a shock to you, but the YouTuber Trevor Jacob, who jumped from his small airplane over the California mountains and, uh, survived. Uh, it was all a stunt for, uh, just to get YouTube views. Yeah, I know. I know a YouTuber actually crashed his airplane on purpose just to record it all. (laughs) So now he can't be a pilot anymore. The FAA said, yeah, you've lost your private pilot certificate and, uh, it's been revoked and you can't, uh, you can't apply for another one for at least a year. Oh, okay. So when you watch the footage, it's actually, it's actually, well, it's terrible because it's not real, but he, uh, under his video, I crashed my plane. Huh? That may have, I mean, I don't know that that gives you a sign. When they look at it, there was a whole list of things that he did that really made it seem like it wasn't an accident. It was for real. Like he didn't try to restart the engine. And he had cameras set up all around at different angles of the plane. And he was wearing a certain type of parachute that you don't normally wear. And those, you know, they had it on. And then he opened the door to jump out before he said... Uh, That he'd lost engine power, so he was getting ready to to do it all. And so they were unhappy with that. And uh, he didn't try to glide it into... Apparently there were areas where he could have landed it, you know, as a pilot. Could have glided it into the land. But uh, he crashed it into the Los Padres National Forest. It was a Taylorcraft BL-65 single engine plane. <laughs> Left Santa Barbara and crashes into the National Forest. And it shows, uh, you know, he watches as he's parachuting down. He's got video. You see the plane crash. And then he lands and he goes to the plane and he's filming himself at the plane. He gets, he retrieves the, all the other cameras that were on the plane. And so it was all a stunt. I know! Amazing! It's unbelievable to me that a YouTuber would crash an airplane on purpose. <laughs> I know. I know. Dry your eyes. But he's a, you know, he was a snowboarder in the Olympics and now he's a YouTuber and, uh, good for Jacob, uh, Trevor Jacob, by the way, I uh, crashed my plane. You lost your license. That's it though. I mean, what else can they do? I, I don't know. Can he, can he be fined? I don't know. I mean, they, they're, they're unhappy. With pilots who crash planes on purpose. But it was just a stunt in the mountains. So. I don't know. Maybe maybe he made a deal. That he promises he won't crash a plane anymore. Because he won't talk about it now. And as far as I know. The video is still up. So. Okay. Good. But I know that you would be shocked. That it was actually a stunt. And it wasn't an actual accident. So I wanted to let you know that. Oh, and if you live in uh, Montana, be careful out there. Uh, You're the number one state for drunk driving. Okay? I know. It's uh, sad news. Um, So Montana is number one. South Dakota is number two. Wyoming is number three. And North Dakota is number four. What do those states have in common? Wide open spaces, man. So they're, they're number one through four for drunk driving. They rated, I mean, holy cow, they're over 70 out of 100 severity score. 74 in North Dakota, 78 Wyoming, 80 South Dakota, Montana's 84. But coming in at number five, the great state of Texas at 64. Wow, Texas is fifth on the complete list of statistics for uh, drunk driving severity scores. Florida is way down the list at 40. Michigan is 37th. Huh, interesting. Where is uh, Missouri? M-I-Z. Missouri is ninth, yeah. That's what I was afraid of. So, uh, pretty surprising Maine is up there at number six, too. But anyway, for those of you living in uh, Montana, South Dakota, Wyoming, North Dakota, and the great state of Texas, be careful out there. Don't be drunk driving. In today's world, there really is, I mean, there really is no excuse for drunk driving. Back in the day, I understand. I mean, I can remember uh, a friend of ours, Oh shoot, what was his stupid name? I was a little kid. He used to drink all the time and drive. That was he that's what he did. He'd drive the country roads and get drunk. And then they'd just say, Yeah, he's out. He's out driving. There he goes. There goes Otto. Otto. There goes Otto driving the roads again. You'd see him out driving the country roads, and you knew he was just drinking, getting drunk. And some nights he'd, you know, need help getting pulled out of a ditch. Other nights he would just park it and pass out and he'd end up back home again. You can't do that anymore. Not in today's world. No, that can't happen. And even in the days of, uh, like I can make it, you know, you're, you're young and you're drunk. Just give me the keys. I can make it. No problem. Don't worry about it. And some may have, not me, I would never do anything like this, but some that's been reported would, uh, you know, have, have driven home, praying for red lights so that you could just stop and catch your breath and try to sober up for a second. (laughs) Uh, That night I was followed home by a police officer. He didn't pull me over, but he followed me all the way home. It felt like forever. I went to a show and we leaned up against the back wall of this show and just drank shots for a long time. And I drove home. And uh, I remember coming down one road. It was probably about, a, I don't know. This was in Florida a long time ago. I remember just happy that there was a red light so I could catch my breath because I was so drunk. And I do not recommend this. And I should be in jail right now because of it, okay? But uh, thankfully, I'm not. But, uh, and it was, you know, I, I'm driving home. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. There's no one else on the road. In today's world, I'm going to jail no question. I'm arrested. I'm going before the judge. I'm I'm DUI, all of it, all the kit and caboodle. So uh, the police officer just follows me all the way. I was living in an apartment complex in St. Petersburg, Florida. And I remember having him follow me down uh, 22nd Avenue and then all the way down to the apartment complex I still remember the road to down Park Street and then 22nd Avenue those of you living in St. Petersburg will know where I was talking about and I just remember pulling into the apartment complex and the police officer followed me into the apartment complex and I lived in the back corner and I remember go driving all the way and parking and stopping to turn my lights off and the officer stopped in front of where I had parked and just stared at me for a long time (laughs) (laughs) like you better be thankful and I am and I was and I still am that I'm not dragging you into jail right now and then he drove off and I mean thank you to the officer for making sure that I remain safe for making sure that the public remains safe and for you know making sure I got home safe but not in today's world. And if you're living in Montana and South Dakota and Wyoming and North Dakota, and especially now Texas coming in at number five, who has the DUI severity score. I mean, holy cow. Wow. Texas is total DUI road fatalities though. Texas has 1,495, but that's only 12% as far as, uh, the number of people involved. Yeah, Montana has, uh, they've had 96, the DUI fatalities, but that's far, nobody lives there. That's the problem. We got a lot of, I mean, per capita, Texas is probably number one, I would say. (laughs) Which is not good. And I don't recommend it. And that's my point. In today's world, there's no point there's no way that there's an excuse of drunk driving in today's world. I'm sorry I, I get it. I get it that everybody thinks that they can do it and they're fine but there's you have access to uh, ride companies outside of taxis and ubers and lyfts and limousine services. I mean there you have plenty of automobile availability, to have a driver that's not drunk to drive you where you need to be. And so it's definitely your fault. Yeah, you heard me. It's your fault. You make the choice of drive. You made the choice. And so you're in trouble. And they run ads here in Texas all the time about the DUI. And, uh, you know, I drive better when I'm drunk, when I'm buzzed. You know, buzz driving is drunk driving. Make no mistake about it buzz driving is drunk driving and don't do it it's that's my public service announcement today don't drive drunk you're welcome